0: Hello, everybody. It's me, Chris. Hi. Hello. You're listening to a special episode of the Crate and Crowbar special because it is, in fact, also an episode of Video Games Hot Dog, a different video game podcast, if you can imagine such a thing, produced by our friends Zach and Kevin from Asymmetric, who made Kingdom of Loathing, West of Loathing, several kinds of loathing. Indeed, Tom Francis was over at Fantastic Arcade in Austin uh, last week, uh, where he met up with them, and as he did last year, recorded a podcast discussing games like Splunky 2, Noiter, and so on. And as we did last year, we're going to basically treat this as episode of The Crate and Crowbar uh, once again. So no regular episode this week, but it's actually arrived at a pretty good time because we're all either very busy, in the case of Pip and Tom Senior, or simply on holiday, in the case of Alex, or very, 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 very sleepy, in my own case so i hope you enjoy the the following hour of discussion of loads of different indie games from fantastic arcade the rest of us will be back uh next week uh have a good time i'll see you for the outro which won't feel forced at all goodbye
1: I'm Zach. <laughs> oh my God. I'm Kevin. <laughs> and I'm Tom. And it's time for episode number 348 of Video Games Hot Dog, uh, Fantastic Arcade Supplemental, or episode... 260.
2: Of the Great and <laughs>
1: <laughs> Depending on what we decide to do with this recording. Yes. But yeah, we're at Fantastic Arcade, which is, as always, living up to its name and is a delight.
2: Yeah. This is the festival that is in a cinema, and... Uh, the cinema where you can get food and booze in your seat and the seats are enormous at least by my british standards (laughs) and (laughs) extremely comfortable um and that goes really well with the nature of the festival as well which is kind of quite uh an eclectic mix of stuff that you don't really know what you're going to get it's you know it's a games festival where i can go and i haven't heard of eight out of the ten games that i see that day um and that's great to
1: just be in extreme comfort and be shown interesting, cool things you haven't seen before. The participants are sort of encouraged not to prepare their talks, <laughs> or at least allowed not to prepare, which is akin to encouragement for, <laughs> yeah, for most the kind people. of people who are going to bring. <laughs> um, it's a lot of like... Mm, things that i think of as like student games there's a bunch of like the 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 developers skew younger by far than oh sure at other events
3: and there's a and ton of folks from the nyu game center who are here
1: <laughs> and it's put on by, uh, by Rancheros. Rancheros, uh which is as far as i know uh wiley wiggins and some other people i know rusty moyer is on the board now mm-hmm. um having replaced some uh, maybe somebody got kicked off the board for some problematic behavior and then rusty came in th- um, is adam
3: saltzman still adam
2: saltzman yes. still involved okay. rachel
3: i think weiss maybe i think that's an actress <laughs> but isn't isn't her name similar to that it's something like that the, uh, could be i don't know uh, there's a there's a woman named autumn who's involved a guy named sam who's involved that's that's the like where rancheros group that introduced themselves with their by their first names so. okay
1: i know sam was going around taking pictures posting them to twitter yep um and they they set up uh computers so uh, thanks to nvidia for sponsoring this event <laughs> yeah uh, the, so the, there's a the the downstairs bar of the alamo draft house mueller in austin texas is set up with a bunch of sick rigs uh on which you can run a I don't know, a several year old hastily constructed launcher. Yes. Uh, that uh JW last name. Willen. Will that's the W. What's the oh. last name? Last name is N. I don't know. Why did you get us into this mess? <laughs> Why <did> you <laughs> well that? you know him. Everyone knows him as JW. Oh okay. <laughs> well fun. anyway, JW from Vlambeer. While <laughs> not wise. So I was off by a couple letters, but Okay. Uh, uh, Rachel, while Sam had had had, yes. had, 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 uh, autumn Taylor. Uh, maybe J.W. Okay. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, J.W. From Blambear wrote this launcher apparently to replace a worse launcher. Uh, uh this year is actually
3: ago. not, I, th- I think it is not a game maker launcher. I think they have retired the game maker launcher. already. Mm. It is a new, Non-game maker launcher that is also not working <laughs> super well. Sometimes. Well, it's
1: it's challenging to get a bunch of like, oh yeah, mostly unreleased and non-completed games into a framework like this, and it's <laughs> yes. it, it's it works very very well for what they had to work with. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, you can play your- you can play
2: all these games. <laughs> Heat Signature involves a Game Maker launcher. Uh, the game itself is in Game Maker, but you can't use the modern versions of Game Maker to launch anything else, because you can't, they don't want you to like launch a virus or something, so it's like much more secure these days. Uh-huh. So Heat Signature contains a Game Maker 7 program within it that is just, all it does is launch a folder on your computer, because I want to show you all the like videos and prototype stuff that if you get the special edition, um, and just to make a folder open from Steam <laughs> was the only way I could find to do it was in, reinstall GameMaker 7 and make a whole game that just opens
3: a folder. So you can make it you can make a game that launches in GameMaker by itself, but you can't from inside that launch something else. Is that the idea?
2: Uh you can't in GameMaker Studio uh, the modern ones, you can't make a game that launches another re- executable or opens a folder on your hard drive or does anything outside of the, the game that's running itself. Whereas in the old ones, there was just line to say like, "Run this application" or like you just feed
1: that folder and it opens it in your default way of huh. looking at a folder. So if you want to write a Bitcoin mining scam to distribute <laughs> on Steam, be sure and use Game Maker Seven. Yeah, it's its specialty uh so what uh do you guys want to talk about the talks that we've seen and particularly enjoyed or the games we've played and particularly enjoyed or the people we've hung out with at parties <laughs> and particularly enjoyed if we do the people one we'll have to get their surnames right and that could be a- yeah i've already i've already <laughs> messed that up a bunch of times so <laughs> uh oh, you know i enjoyed talking to john brodsky
2: <laughs> let's talk about games we played first because i see sure
1: it is <laughs> Uh something that uh was very surprising and very delighting to me to find on those machines was the demo of Spelunky Two, uh which turned out to be an extremely comprehensive demo. I Is think it just said.
3: the whole game? So uh, far? I can't tell. I so no one has made it past, no one two made or it or or past. I
1: got to the exit of the last world of the jungle, but was killed before I was remembered what button to push. The keyboard controls are slightly different. Um <laughs> Like I got there once it's uh but yeah, there's at least the first world. And then the, it, uh, unlike Spelunky one after the mines, you now can either go to the jungle or to the volcano. And those are both in there all the way through seemingly full featured. Um, Did you notice any bugs? Were there any first world problems? There were, <laughs> there, there were a lot more first world problems than there had previously been. Uh, some very annoying moles, Oh, right. Um, those are those seem obnoxious. Tunnel around unpredictably and move very quickly. Um, some, uh, what do you call those? I think it starts with an A. It's like a spiny looking lizard thing.
2: Yeah, uh, there's a, a
1: thorned devil or something. Or
2: thorny devil, I
1: think. Is a horned sort
3: of toad. Casual, yeah. Like English name for it. They they roll up into a ball and then
1: Yeah. Anyway, so there's you. that's there's that's a new enemy. Um I it was weird like sort of trying to think of the things that aren't in it from the original mm-hmm. Spelunky. Like occasionally you'll see a scorpion, but it'll it is only ever in a pot, like they never just spawn in the world. Yeah, and same and the, for the spitting snakes. Yeah, the spitting snakes never spawn. There are equivalents to the tiki traps in the mines now, so yeah. that's just harder. <laughs> um it's,
0: What are,
3: what are the things that like there's like a trap that it's a like a yeah that's
1: basically the that's same right. as the tiki trap except it does less damage oh, okay. um, it imparts and the same amount of momentum <clears throat>
2: yeah there's uh i had a new spelunky moment <laughs> with those things uh because i was in a sticky situation where i needed to climb over one but the space I had to do so was just really awkward and i didn't like my chance of being able to do it so i thought fuck it this is worth a bomb i'll climb onto this ledge right next to this this new tiki trap and crouch and put a bomb there and then drop back down and let it blow up and uh me climbing up there caused the tiki trap obviously to like start punching which i knew it would then i put the bomb down then i went down again
1: and it punched the bomb off the ledge into me and
2: <laughs> threw me up which i could have predicted
1: <laughs> yeah they didn't used to be able to the tiki traps in spelunky one i think don't move inanimate objects yes yeah, they do
2: yeah so like it's instead of spikes it's like a boxing glove and that means it pushes things as well as
1: Hmm. Um, there's a new kind of block, which is a sort of a cube of bones uh, that you can (laughs) destroy with a whip. You can destroy by tossing objects onto it, but weirdly like things landing on it. Don't break it. Like you can push a a heavy block onto it and it doesn't break. If you land on it, even with velocity, it won't break. Um, those very often spawn skulls when you whip them. And so they are a very cheap source of tossable items they can it, also spawn with spikes on top like spike yeah uh, yeah spikes can be on top of them and then you can destroy the spikes, spikes by so. do it yeah so that's nice kind of interesting um there seem to be a lot more room templates uh or maybe i'm just imagining it that there are more because they are all new yeah um but i do think that the introduction of those destructible blocks created a bunch more opportunities for like traversable rooms mm. Um, Because there are just, there are a lot of things where it's like, oh, I fucked up my ability to make this jump by whipping that block that I could have just jumped over instead of, instead of destroying it. it.
2: It's quite a weird feel for a sequel because it's, um, feels to me as if they have included kind of a bizarro version of Spelunky 1. So like all of the old, I think, I think it's going to be, we've already seen there's a mines equivalent and there's a jungle equivalent. And I assume there's going to be sort of equivalents of the other two worlds later on. Um, and all of them are just a little bit different. They're also a bit desaturated. Like it's a, you know, a slight hue shift from the original equivalent and a bit less saturation. And then all these, you know, uh, slight tweaks on enemies and, uh, slightly new things. But then, like, as you say, at the end of the mines, there are two different ways you can go. One of them is the equivalent to the jungle and the other one is the volcano, which is totally new. And I think there's just an alternative world for each of the previous ones. So it's almost like, Do you want just an improved version of Spelunky or do you want a whole new Spelunky and you can just choose at each stage which thing you want?
3: Well, they also have the, within the worlds, there are subspaces that you can go into and they sometimes have multiple exits, which then connect the worlds in different strange ways. Yeah,
1: There's like a backside to every level, which is sort of always dark. Apparently that's how the black market works. It's Uh, the dark side um, of the moon. Is the dark side of the moon. Uh,
3: Are you on the moon in Spelunky 2? Yeah, yeah. And it just happens to look a lot like... And have the exact same... <laughs> yes. It has the
1: exact same gravity, but you're much heavier. So okay. It's- the moon is not so different. <laughs> That's what this game is all about. Is okay. Let's understand. Um, there's a few new items. Um, but yeah, I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to uh, Martin... Martin, last name, who... Johansson? Okay, that sounds right. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about so <laughs> uh, the Swedish <laughs> no, guy who made rimmed, rimmed capsule and that was just my insurance policy uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Uh and uh Petri who uh, is the guy who made Crayon Physics. And- yes, I learned that he made Crayon Physics and was Which very makes excited. A ton of yeah, sense. it does make a ton of sense, and I I was able to tell him finally my fun, uh, the fun way that I played Crayon Physics. You were allowed to check a box that said whether you thought your solution was awesome <laughs> when you had finished every level there. And I when I I played through it once, and then I was playing through it again, but I only allowed myself to consider a level completed if I finished it using only one shape. And then I only allowed myself to market awesome if that shape was a dick. <laughs> and so I got to tell him that. And he said, oh yeah, we played a bunch of Kingdom of Loathing while we were making that game. Like, oh, yay. Um. Anyway, they said they, they just described the black market to me. We were at recess at right. fantastic arcade and on the playground. Uh, they- it's, it's been
3: the best. That's, that is yeah. one of the like joys of this is it feels because you're playing all these games that haven't come out and won't be out for a while and everyone is experiencing them for the first or maybe second time. Everyone is just swapping stories and tips and tricks and it's just so exciting to do that. Yeah. I love it. Just standing over someone's shoulder and saying, Oh, have you seen that you can do this? And yeah. It's so um,
2: good.
1: The black market was just on the backside of a jungle level. Ah, uh, okay. Which means the black market will always be dark. Uh, <coughs> oh, shit. There was no onk. I see. So... Whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so all the... That's the other weird thing about, like,
2: how how equivalent it is to Spelunky in some ways, which is that, like, the old secrets all seem to be sort of there. Like, initially, at least, there's, there's a key and a chest in the mines, and just... Exactly how you get it is slightly different and then what it's for. It's, it almost feels like the secrets get more and more different the, the deeper you go. Cause early on it's fairly similar. And then, um, I don't know how much we want to talk about what we, we've discovered so far, <laughs> right? But the further you go, the more different it gets from how it used to. Work.
1: Yeah. You, you can still, there's still like a key and a chest that gives you the Ood Jedi in the mines. And then that does yeah. one thing in the, in the jungle, which is basically what it does in Spelunky one. But then there's an entirely different thing that it does in the volcano, oh, which huh. is crazy and great yeah (laughs) um there's a boss at the end of the mines and it's really i think that this is an extremely clever piece of design there are two exits from the from the last level of the mines one on the left side and one on the right side the boss if you get down close to him he has an attack that destroys a bunch of blocks like basically he turns into a wrecking ball and so like if you've got the spike shoes, you can kill him very easily without ever triggering that behavior. But then you have to use a bunch of bombs to get to the exit. So if you engage him on a more dangerous, like using more dangerous tactics, you get him to destroy the walls for you. And like, Mm. then you don't have to spend any resources to continue, um, which is very clever. I think it's kind of similar to the dilemma with
2: Olmec. Like at the end of Spelunky one, uh, there's a boss that can stomp on you. And if you let it do that, but dodge out the way, it destroys some of the the blocks. And eventually you can, get it to fall in the lava and also the entrance to hell is down there somewhere uh and if you don't like baiting him is horrible (laughs) and using a shitload of bombs is uh much preferable at least for me uh but this because it's only on like the fourth level of the game you're not going to have that many bombs and so it's like if you do have the bombs it's a choice uh but i imagine there's going to be times when you just get there and you just don't have the bombs to do it so you're going to have to uh, get him to you. I don't know what that's going to be like. If you, like, you accidentally kill him and you're out of bombs, you just kind of, well, the game's over now, I guess.
1: I think he might drop a bag of three bombs oh. or there might always be a crate with three bombs in it. Oh man, something else that happened to me today, which might've been a bug. Uh But I was in uh, one of the dark backsides of the levels and I whipped a crate and inside was a bag of bombs and a loose bomb, like sometimes comes out oh, shit. of chests. Like you were, you were saying <laughs> yeah, like, it would be such it. a dick move <laughs> if sometimes crates contained enemies in this one. <laughs> yeah. So and, maybe
2: that could there have just been a chest behind it or something. I suppose I yeah. you see gems or something, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know exactly. It, it might have been because it was dark. It was like, a, mm. you know, because those in those levels is dark and they don't give you a torch. So yeah. it's sort of like, mm, they seem to be fairly generous with how few enemies spawn in those little. Like every once in a while, you'll go into like one of those back rooms and ah, oh, shit, a bat. Yeah, like, but it's never. We played co-op a bit, and uh, the
2: way that the dead player can participate is better now. In that you can charge up a freeze thing. Um, hmm. Like you, instead of you could always like give a little puff of air to knock things off ledges and stuff. But now, if you charge that up, it, it becomes a, a single shot freeze ray. Uh, but we also discovered that. While that's charging, you glow blue, and in a dark level, or the, the dark side of a level, um, you can use that to like light the way for the other player. Just charge it up and don't use it, but just move around
1: to kind of guide them. And also, the, the fact that it's a freeze ray is just an instant kill. Like, you, <laughs> you can, if the, if one player is a ghost, they can freeze the shopkeeper, and yeah. then he just dies from a stomp. Yeah. And oh, huh. Some of the shopkeepers are slave owners, uh, which I think is a way of, uh, of Derek making us feel better about murdering them.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing, like they, you know, there'll just be like a ladder behind their shop going up to like a, a locked door. And we at first we thought it was like some, you know, grand secret and we, we'd have to uh find some special key for it. But no, you just kill the shopkeeper, he has a key, and you go in there. And that's kind of difficult to do, so we're expecting like a huge reward. And it's a fucking helper. <laughs> Which <laughs> just, you never,
1: ever want. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, we didn't... I don't know if we've given them a chance in Spelunky 2, but from Spelunky 1, <laughs> they're they're seen as a a liability.
3: I wonder... Um, yeah, I that know, would I, be kind I, of I was neat. doing that
2: and... Um, uh, thinking well this is pointless and, and dumb and Rusty was um, uh, watching the play and he's like well it's you know you're freeing them to free them like it's a slave <laughs> that's why you do it
1: it's, it's just a good thing to do what you can do is you can open the door and then just not go inside so that you know what when he wakes up he'll understand that he's free from this tyranny he can have these climbing gloves because I don't want them <laughs> and well, then he can get out and just be naked on the moon <laughs> there you go buddy <laughs> Well, it's like the you know the damsels you rescue
2: in in both games you just kind of leave them in the interstitial bit between <laughs> levels like you
1: wait here something will happen <laughs> yeah I mean nothing bad ever happens to you there <laughs> so <laughs> just only ever kissing and licking <laughs> yeah uh, one difference in co-op is that when you rescue a dam and the damsels are all all dogs and cats in this yeah um,
3: I thought I saw a human damsel maybe I'm wrong
1: No, there were there there were some hired hands also there's an area that was full of coffins and each of the coffins had a hired hand in it whoa so <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know what to make of that uh, yeah <laughs> what's the moral status of rescuing them <laughs> the uh and if you're in co-op and one of you takes a damsel through uh you both get the health back which is not the case in mm. spelunky yeah. one only the person who dragged it through so there's always a like ah shit which one of us is going to carry this yeah through it's really nice that, that's a case where
2: like i can see the game design reason for making it only one of you so that there's more decision making and more talking and more more you know uh, potential for uh it to be asymmetrical and for that to create tension and stuff but actually I just much prefer if we both get it because it is co-op we don't really want it to be that the competitive aspect of it to be interesting or um, yeah I hate having to decide in any cooperative game like do I get this or do you get this It didn't
1: feel, yeah, I almost wish that you had a shared pool of bombs and ropes Mm. also. But, I mean, then that removes the drama of having to recover the bombs from someone who you've just killed (laughs) when you killed your co-op partner.
2: It could just be like half your bombs always drop when they die or something. Mm. Um, So it's still worth doing that. Because it would be kind of nice, like, you could still have interesting discussions, I think, of like, shall we use a bomb for this?
1: You know, it's a shared resource. I need to check with you that this is all right with you. Uh, the, the damsel only applying to one character didn't really feel like a gameplay choice to me. It felt like, ah, oh, shit, we forgot. <laughs> like we added co-op to this later. Uh, in the same way that, like now both players can buy stuff in stores, which is yeah, very, very, I mean. very nice. As opposed to in Spelunky 1, if you're playing co-op, only the player who's got the camera following them can buy stuff from a store and everything you buy gets gift wrapped and becomes a, a package. Uh, which you then have is, to whip
2: open and yeah, sometimes you whip your friend
1: and sometimes there, you accidentally pick it up. And,
3: is the first, is the camera always following one of the players? Yeah. Is until later In both, game, yep. in both that game and this game. It's in this game you th- can
1: play co-op online. It's it, playing on the same computer. It works the same in Spelunky 2, but there's online co-op which the camera will just follow each player. Hmm. Yeah, that's going to be good. Actually. You don't die from being off screen in this either, yeah. which is
3: nice. Okay. Yeah, I think one thing that they, that would be great if they did change was the logic of the, the helpers or whatever, because it, nobody liked them in the original game. So that seems like an obvious place to try to. Well, they may have completely revolutionized it and made them incredibly good,
2: but
1: we're not going to find out because no one, <laughs> no will, one will. No <laughs> one will ever use them. Um, e- everyone else just seemed to be playing noida the entire
2: time. Yeah, that was. I didn't um, realize that was going to be playable here until I just saw it in the menu. And that this is a game I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, by the aforementioned Petri, uh, who worked on crayon physics, um, and collaborators. I don't have their names to, to hand in my head. Um, uh, but it's the one where, like, every pixel is simulated, uh, which basically means it's like that... Uh, what was the sand game? Hell of sand. Yeah, like a sort of web toy where you, you, everything's... Uh, you're just pouring sand and fire and water and things and just seeing how they react. And it's that, but as a kind of roguelike platformer, where you are a spellcaster and all of your uh, equipment that you find is pretty much wands. And the wands are, I don't know how randomly generated they are, but they are a weird mix of effects and slots and stats. It's actually quite overwhelming at the moment in terms of like, this one has like nine stats to do with how fast they generate mana, what their mana cap is, how fast their fire rate is, how fast their charge rate is. Um and they're also all just called wand, <laughs> which I imagine is going to change. Uh, but those can have effects that would, you know, uh, mess with the world. And, you know, the most basic one is setting fire to stuff. And there's, there's a load of wood in the world. There's a load of uh, oil. There's coal. Um, all that stuff burns differently. that just vats of whiskey. It's kind of a utopia. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I don't, I don't know. Infinite whiskey, but there are a lot of spiders hurling fireballs at you and pools of poison just dripping on you from above. It's horrible. It must be in hell. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah
2: it's uh, extremely... uh satisfying and god setting fire to stuff and this is amazing like it looked Mm. good in trailers and then doing it for real is um even better because you just you just almost look at the whole levels like Almost a heat map of where the most flammable stuff is and how it's all connected to each other. And if I set fire to that oil, is it going to set off that explosive barrel? And is that going to catch light to the coal? And then, oh yeah, a sack of gunpowder as well. <laughs>
3: um, the gunpowder potion that you pick up. Yes. Did you do anything with one of those? <laughs> I've, I've thrown a gunpowder potion and it. it was very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've never consumed one. I don't, I don't just know ignite itself? Like just, uh, No, it just, okay. it just creates a bunch of gunpowder. Yeah. Gunpowder
2: is surprisingly inert <laughs> like the your basic spell attack is like a sort of magic zap type thing um and i was doing that at a big heap of gunpowder and it didn't
3: go off i i think that's good to have yeah. to have your basic attack not be something that just causes everything to burst into yeah you're
1: always going to be hitting stuff that you're not intending
2: to yeah, yeah and then it's like we did find a wand that was just really just a stick that was on fire. <laughs> like, you could, It didn't cast anything so much as you just held it near stuff and it would set light to it. And that made that kind of an interesting item because you can't normally just burn things without some kind of ignition source.
3: But you also don't want to be standing next to things when they explode yeah. most of
2: the time. <laughs> I think the thing it was useful, it didn't really come out much, but like there are often just big wooden barriers and just being mm. able to set light to one of those and then walk away would be kind of handy sometimes.
1: The locomotion of the game is generally just you're you're moving around. It's sort of like Terraria. Uh, uh, yeah, in the way that it works, and then you have a jetpack. Yeah, right? yeah, I guess it's, it's some jet sort jet of ju- <laughs> narratively justified wizard jetpack.
2: Yeah, although like, enemies have shotguns and stuff, so I feel like the tech level is kind of oh, yeah. ambiguous. Uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not meant to be a jetpack.
3: And laser-guided rockets and things? Yeah,
2: it's, it gets, that came from a tank. Like, really the cause of weird. death <laughs> was, was um, a person. we saw a person die to a laser-guided rocket, and it said, killed by a tank rocket. <laughs> we never saw what fired it, but I guess it was a tank. <laughs>
1: Or maybe just all the enemies are called tank. <laughs> <laughs> just ones and tanks all the way down.
2: Um yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh that for me, that and Splunkie 2 are kind of equally exciting, um, in terms of like just figuring out how it works and what the possibilities are. It has the same they both have the same kind of way of keeping a sense of mystery and a sense of promise, which is just is quite hard to get anywhere. And so uh the, when you finish a level in Noita, um, you go to a kind of uh, shop and then a kind of configuration area and while you're there, you can uh, not just equip and unequip wands but also change what the effects on the wands are and each one has like a number of slots. Um, and like weirdly, you start with just a sort of basic attack wand and, and then wands that can fire three bombs. It's got limited uses. Um, and in that staging area, if you just unplug the bomb effect from the bomb wand and put the zap effect on it instead, it's like rapid fire and it's like a gatling gun of, of the thing so it's way better than the original default wand and so wands like have their own properties of how fast they fire and how much mana they have and all this stuff um, and then you decide what effects go in there and if they have multiple slots you're setting up a cycle of of attacks so you can have it like the first thing is going to be a bolt the next one's going to be uh, a bomb and the next one's going to be uh, like a beam that bounces off stuff and then there are kind of meta effects where like this one it's not an effect in itself but it triggers the next two effects at the same time in a spread and that's, that was the kind of stuff where I was getting excited about like, ooh, what would happen if you had this thing and then combined it with these two things? And, um, and we didn't get to see, we got to see some interesting stuff, but it felt like the very, very beginning of that system. It feels like right. there's more to discover there.
3: Yeah. That, it has such a, it has such potential. It's exciting to see what it will end up shipping with.
1: I think I, I, I definitely was way more excited to play just a ton of Spelunky 2. <laughs> yeah. I and partly because like it has the same it's I think it's worth examining the differences between the two games because like to me Noida it's like okay there's clearly a lot more systemic interaction that can happen here but it's also a lot messier in a way that I find a little less exciting the level
3: generation is is very like messy is a good word because it's there will be gaps, and there'll be like one pixel too small for your character to fit through. It yeah.
0: feels
1: like Terraria. That that's why I say it feels like Terraria, mm-hmm. and I th- Terraria feels messy to me also. And it's yeah, it's fine. It's fun. I had a lot of I had a lot of fun playing Terraria, and I'm sure I will enjoy noida when it's. I like almost never wish list anything, and that's Noita's been on my wish list. I was excited to see it playable here. It was in order to play it with the keyboard on the computers there, you had to like unplug the controller from the back of the computer launch the game and then plug the controller back in <laughs> um it's was, it was also f- surprisingly tricky to get co-op spelunky working yeah. with one player on the keyboard and one player on the controller um but uh, yeah Nitro is very uh appealing
2: to me that the level of simulation is is even more than i kind of expected so i accidentally shot a there's, As well as the ones you find, there are like some plants have a potion on it and I accidentally shot one and uh, the contents of the potion leaked out through the hole I shot in the potion and started filling the area around it. And by the time I got there, it was an empty potion uh, and the area was just full of slime. I don't really know what slime does, but um, uh, so I still picked up the empty potion and then the next time I was near some water, I filled it up with some water so that next time I was on fire, I could throw it on myself to put myself out. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like that kind of chain of weird happenstance and even like the enemies um, have really sort of systemic properties to them so like the slime floating slime things that shoot acid at you when you shoot them it punches a hole in them and that spews acid and that's real acid that's actually going to like hurt things and lie on the scenery and cause like danger zones and stuff and there's there's one enemy that like the boss of those is um, like a much bigger one that doesn't shoot anything at you, but just chases you whilst just sort of pouring acid and like spraying it all out, like in all directions and just like drenching
3: the whole place in it. Um, and that's kind of spectacular. And those kinds of things just make traversal of the, the level after you've been able to defeat them so much more challenging because you can't... If you land on the ground, you take a, you start taking a bunch of damage from yeah. that and, and so, it uh,
2: sticks with you as well And you gotta yeah. find like some other liquid to wash it off yourself
3: blood blood being the, the most yeah common <laughs> one
2: <laughs> yeah like it, liquids that don't hurt you are, are generally useful in this game because most of the other negative effects can be got rid of by by doing that and blood is the most plentiful liquid <laughs> like there's usually some of that around and it's kind of like a weird image because it does matter how much of it there is, and it doesn't necessarily clean you off instantly, and so you find yourself like wading in a little puddle of blood trying to like put yourself out if you're on fire or like wash the acid off you. There was um uh, one of my favorite spells that we discovered, or spell, if, like wand effects that you can put on a wand, um which is called Sea of Oil, <laughs> and every time it was cast. It just felt like the bottom half of the screen was just hundred percent oil. <laughs> like, it's, like sea is not an exaggeration, um, and oil obviously is extremely flammable. So if there's no flame there, you just created a massive sea of oil, and it will flow throughout the whole um, level. Uh, but if there's any ignition source at all, that goes off, and then that flame just kind of rips through the whole like ocean and like incinerates everything,
3: and it's so cool looking. There's a there was one spell that I. <laughs> Was very excited about because it, it was like oh it's like a like a lightning bolt or something it's like electric spark <laughs> and I I purchased it and slotted it in, into a wand and then tried to test the wand and it just immediately died <laughs> I was like okay and so then I did it again and I don't know why <laughs> I really- thought I th- there'd be some different effect <laughs> but it happened again and apparently it's it is not useful until you've gotten some additional thing that you can like launch yeah effects other than the way they're like slotted in naturally or something
2: i think the first time you did it you'd been like switching between a bunch of wand effects and we had a theory that like oh you maybe you'd like got water on yourself or something right. and then if you use the thunderbolt it kills you but no the thunderbolt just kills you <laughs> it was just the thunderbolt
1: <laughs> i think i found a fire wand that when i when i used it all it did was set me on fire <laughs> yeah and someone else who was playing said they
2: they had um uh one that just created like a a, a small amount of soil and they just like clicked three times and they created three mounds of soil on themselves and suffocated to death <laughs> because they didn't have anything that could like
1: blow Jeez. through soil yeah i had one death where i just like accidentally like something burned through on the top and then a bunch of dirt fell down onto me and i suffocated yes <laughs> <That was, laughs> it's yeah that kind of chain reaction in the level it's, it's very kind of
2: reckless with that it can that can just things can have huge effects on each other without your intervention mm-hmm. and in fact even when you start a level you're just like the screen will shake a little bit as stuff is setting each other off down there i kind of like that um you get you get some amazing moments where just like this it won't even be you like you'll go near an enemy and they'll throw like a stick of dynamite at you and you'll shoot it out of the air and it'll bounce back and set fire to some wood above you that then was supporting a huge vat of water and the water drops down and at first you think nothing's happening and then like There's kind of hiss, and then the huge cloud of steam comes up from the bottom of the screen, because the water put out a fire way down the level that you hadn't even seen yet, and now, like, there's steam everywhere. And I think even steam has some some kind of properties that can affect you. Like, everything can interact with everything. Yeah, super good. Yeah, I'm very excited to, like, dig into that properly when it's out. I was worried in advance that it was going to be too hard for me, and it is hard, but it's not uh, oppressively so, I don't think. Like, level one, I feel like, is, is pretty manageable difficulty, and there's loads to discover there, like... Even on level one, you'll find like maybe two like random ones that might do things you've never seen before. So, like, the thing I really care about is like time to interestingly different, right. <laughs> like, toy to play with or, um, and even like the enemies you get at on level one are different from run to run because I remember you having a lot more difficulty than I was with the the first level and, and then I watch you play and you're just encountering all these like <laughs> boss enemies <laughs> I've never seen
3: before. <laughs> It's tailored to each individual person.
2: <laughs> I just knew you were so pro. At games sure, games. sure. Give you, give
3: yeah. The nasty fire bosses. Uh,
1: I don't. I played a little bit of Samurai Gun 2 while I was oh, waiting yeah. for a Spelunky computer to open. You <laughs> um, uh, were saying
3: that you were very good at it. Uh, I did. Yeah, I guess were you i you playing
1: against someone. Yeah, I was playing against uh Victor, uh, the West of Loathing programmer and the other Zack Johnson. Um, I think I was just getting lucky. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess I'm okay at it. I haven't played it that much, but I you know, I don't know. It feels for whatever reason, the the look like the just moving around in that game feels pretty natural to hmm. me and it's like this is the sort of like minimalist competitive platformer thing where you yeah. like a sword and a gun. You have a sword. Three bullets still? or One bullet. One bullet. Yeah, you only have one bullet per life. Um, and the hmm. bullet's not actually that useful. Like yeah. It goes pretty slow, and it's like fairly easy to dodge if somebody's paying attention. Can
2: they bat it back with their sword? Uh, I don't know. I had a feeling you could do that.
1: It supposedly adds a new move, which is a dash. But I, it wasn't the other button and I, the, the I asked how th- to do it and they said I hit jump and sword at the same time and I tried that and it didn't seem to do anything. So I, I don't huh. know. Um, but there's one machine that's just set up with a bunch of multiplayer stuff on it. They were playing a game that I don't remember what it's called. It was ricochet something and it was each player was a little circle and you could charge up a laser to fire in a specific direction from you. Uh, but the play field was full of just these sort of spinning polygons that would deflect the laser. Huh. Um, and so, I, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed like they were having a good time with it. Samurai Gun
2: was, uh, came out around, around the same time as Towerfall. And so I uh, went to some parties where both those things were the games that we were playing. And Samurai Gun was kind of the hardcore one of those two. Like, Towerfall was like, everyone can play, and whoever's... I can't remember what the exact mechanic is, but I think the player who's last gets an extra shield or something, and it's got some kind of, like, rubber banding like that. And Samurai Gun is just like, no, fuck you. And, like, the best player at Samurai Gun just dominated every single match mm. we played, whereas in Towerfall, the best player at Towerfall was kind of had their ups and downs, and everyone kind of got their, got to have their moment of fun. But Samurai Gun's really good at, like, the moment of the kill is super overemphasized and just feels incredibly, like, brutal. I think that's partly why... um it feels like the more hardcore one because there's just like, it's merciless about this person.
1: <laughs> Even if you got a lucky kill, I think it presents it as you just fucking own this person. <laughs> yeah. And it always like it vignettes out everything except yeah. the actual kill stroke. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty good, which I think would almost be necessary. It's so it's visually pretty messy. Like it just leaves all the corpses around and there's just a lot of blood splatter and stuff. And so I think it would be kind of difficult to tell what was happening. <laughs> if it didn't do that. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for that kind of like focus and, uh,
2: yeah, moving everything out the way and but it's weird if you're not into participating in that particular <laughs> yeah.
1: murder well, on either side it's like <laughs> uh
2: what, okay <laughs> unless she ties into one of the talks i saw um which was uh the hold down talk uh, by the aforementioned martin probably johansson i think it's great fruct on twitter that's that's how i know him best um which and- is swedish for grapefruit <laughs> <laughs> yes we learned that um and that is a game it's, it's like break is like the best bit of breakout uh, and uh, the whole game of that so like the best bit of breakout for, in my opinion is if you get the ball above the bricks and then it bounces around and just dings and dings and dings and you're getting loads and loads of bricks without doing anything and this is a game designed to just around like d- sort of uh, pushing you to try and find those moments and it creates instead of a, a simple rectangle of bricks above you there's um. Uh, it's a more random array of bricks below you that you're trying to destroy in order to move further down and keep mining further and further down. And if you don't destroy them, they all have hit points. And if you don't destroy them before they get to the top of the screen, then that's how you lose. Um, and it was a really interesting talk because, uh, the game feels incredibly good. And, uh, Martin just drilled down into exactly how he does, like, wh- how he makes those impacts feel good. Like, for him, that's like, um, his passion, that's what he wants to spend all his time on, and he <laughs> spends very little time on the actual, like, uh, higher-level design of the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, one of the things in that was, like, there's this... Uh, blocks that you destroy... Um, they're either like nailed to the back of the level or they're not, and if they're not nailed to the back of the level then they will fall if there's nothing below them supporting them so if you can take out one of those nailed in blocks, all the other ones above it will fall and that's a really satisfying thing to do because you, you saved, if that one of those had like 71 hit points or something, then you didn't have to hit it 71 times um, and the he had a sort of technical problem which was that the uh, physics in it, because you're throwing a shitload of balls around uh, very, very rapidly and um, they need to go in as predictable as possible a pattern because there's just so many of them if they're all going through natural physics um, slight differences would cause them all to ping off in random directions and it would just be a mess uh, that means he actually uh, shows their path in advance like he predicts their path in advance and then they just follow that uh, until a brick is destroyed and then it recalculates all that stuff So, so this um, is like
3: ray casting instead of, yeah, instead so it's of standard not, physics yeah it's not
2: checking every frame like where a ball should go it predicts it in advance where all the balls should go until a brick is destroyed and then recalculates but that means, uh, you can't really have, um, the blocks can't take some time to sort of fall away or, or, um, go off screen because, uh, during that time, if anything should have hit them, that that's when it would get messy again. Um, and so for that reason, he ended up, uh, sort of slowing down the game to show that when the nailed in block disappears and all the ones above it fall, because he needed that to be staggered so you could see, this one goes, and then that one falls because that one's gone, and that one falls because the one below it's gone, and that kind of thing. And slowing that down, you know, it couldn't happen over a course of seconds because the balls themselves would then be ricocheting off this stuff as it's all happening. So it just kind of stops the whole game and focuses on it, and that actually makes it, like, A, really satisfying, and also B, makes it really clear what's happening. You can just understand that mechanic way better.
1: Which is kind of like the samurai gun, you know, focusing on the kill thing. Yeah, and he, he talked about how they, how... Uh time slows down when a thing when collisions happen and yeah. stuff like and 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 uh, just different like ways of faking it feeling more effective than it did and also that it's not actually doing sort of natural physics on the corners of the balls it just yeah. it's it's rounding the angle of reflection for every collision to the nearest 45 degrees which is it's yeah it's it's so it you can, you you can bounce it. it yeah you can so all the blocks have rounded edges, and if Which
0: you aim so at,
2: at like a makes, curved edge, yeah. you can fine-tune it so that you can kind of deflect it almost in whatever direction you want. But the the thing that I think that gets rounded to forty-five degrees is the normal
1: of the curve or something. But so it's, it's just but that's the like it's effectively like it's their rectangles with the corners cut off, because you can only have straight up straight to the right or 45 degrees up and to the right your your angle that you come in at is of arbitrary uh, yeah arbitrary precision and so therefore so is the actual resulting angle but like almost yeah. anywhere that you like th- when you fire a ball at a particular brick it is only gonna bounce off in one of three directions uh, from where you are yeah relative like, to your angle
2: of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yeah I remember having to when I was playing it um I didn't consciously think this physics is fake or anything but I did uh notice that my instinct wasn't necessarily lining up with the result and I just did tests to observe oh if you glance off like if you want it to like shoot down and then just go exactly horizontal uh you have to hit kind of this bit of the curve right. it's not necessarily what I intuitively would have aimed for but once I learned that it's just a really useful trick and you' um there's still loads of skill and and creativity in figuring out how to use that to create the right kind of like, self-sustaining bounce pattern within yeah. the box to,
3: um, And a lot of strategy too, cause you, you, yeah. you don't want to just <clears throat> necessarily destroy everything up top because then everything moves up quickly. You might want to spend some more time destroying stuff down low, trying to keep a thing near the top available that you can destroy easily when it gets close to the top, hmm. if you can. I should put a link to
1: that, <clears throat> if they put up a, a video on, yeah, I think it was on Twitch. of that uh, a Twitch stream. Cause the talk is, he's, he's an entertaining dude yeah like sometimes talks that are as technical as this one was are sort of dull (laughs) uh but then sometimes people who are good at giving technical talks and not making them dull do them and they're actually very entertaining and charming he also ragged on jw for um (laughs) uh uh, freeze
2: framing on impacts like that's a common trick to kind of sell uh the impact and uh, martin thinks you shouldn't freeze the whole game you should just freeze he just freezes like the ball when it bounces it's technically staying in the same place for a little while before it ricochets off
3: and he'll reduce the time to like 10 percent time instead of completely freezing yes, and stuff yeah. Like that. yeah uh, uh, JW J-W being, of
1: course in- johansson vice <laughs> <laughs> creator of nuclear Thorn. yes <laughs>
3: <laughs> and minute actually uh yes yeah one of the one of the team on minute uh yeah
1: we just watched that talk too which was cute
3: yeah it was it was a good mix of sort of just here's where the the idea came from. And then a little bit of the, their process and, and everything like that. I, I really do like all the, all the talks that the range from, from the super detailed thing talking about hold down to the very sort of general, like, here's my philosophy of what games could be or should be. Um, yeah. Like and they,
1: they Wiley just sort of doesn't tell people what to talk <laughs> about when, it, when I don't, what was yours when he, yeah, last year, it?
2: um, Heating she was uh, in the selection for the arcade, and I didn't even think about the sort of talk side of it until like a few weeks before. And I emailed Wiley and said, oh, by the way, do you want me to like be on stage and say something? Um, and he said, yeah, sure. And then that was it. <laughs> I
1: was like, oh, wait, I mean, I was there, but I'll let you describe <laughs> to the audience what you did. I, I honestly, like, it doesn't feel like I gave a talk at Fantastic Arcade a year ago. I don't remember doing that. Like
2: <laughs> three or four years ago, yes, I don't remember... But um, I, I do remember the conversations before it, because also, like, how long does your talk have to be? I didn't know that. And it's, it's like, that's also kind of left a bit up to you. Um, and I changed what I was going to talk about from watching talks at Fantastic Arcade, because so many of them were about games that had no uh challenge to them, like, intentionally, like, anti-challenge, um, uh and games that were just sort of meant to be experiences. And uh I didn't really have a concrete plan for what I was going to talk about, but I would, you know... uh I can talk a lot about the uh, mechanics and challenge and random generation and um, the, the finer points of those and the, the deeper consequences of those. And then I, I sort of start to feel like uh, this is not the room for that. <laughs> and actually, I shifted a little bit. It was still like sort of 50% what I was going to say, but then I, I talk more about um, uh, accessibility, just making the game work better for a wider range of people by uh, with the pausing and uh, figuring mm-hmm. out how to teach that pausing and get people to use it and um there was loads of we learned loads of inter- really interesting things in iterating on that and figuring out how it worked and that i'm glad i did that now i think uh, again watching the talks has given me an even broader interpretation of what a talk can be um because we saw one with um uh, i'm gonna have the surname problem again but jenny and
3: collaborator mm-hmm. uh so anyone remember the surname uh i think it's jenny Shaw and ap thompson excellent um, And they just made a game in two hours. I, well, there's every year there's a, somebody who makes a game. Right. Um, yeah, it was Natalie Lawhead. Uh, two years ago. Two years
1: ago, yeah. And then... Some, last um, year she made the website for the game while yeah. it was the Doodle Pro 95 guy that made the game last year. Yeah. I don't remember. Fernando? Yes, that sounds right. Fernando Romilio, I'm going to say. <laughs> just sure.
2: jumped in with a surname there. There you go. <laughs> um, and Martin also, in the Hold Down talk, uh, just started sort of fucking with some values. Like when he's talking about how he did screen shape, he just oh, yeah. said, so, so, let's see what happens if we put in 60 here. And well, let's see what happens if we turn off the dampening on screen shake so it just lasts forever and that's your world now.
1: Yeah, that And was- that was so
2: cool that I kind of think if I was... You know, if you told me I have to do a talk at Fantastic Arcade in an hour's time, I would just open up my project in Game Maker and just start changing some values. And so what happens if we add a shader that makes everything, um, inverted colors? And what happens if there's no friction so everyone can't stop running when they start running?
1: Yeah. When I did mine, I just, well, th- he asked me if I would just play my, if I would just play West of Loathing for 15 minutes and talk about it. And I said, yeah, sure. And then the day before he asked me if it could be a half an hour instead. And then a few minutes before he asked me if it could be an hour. Uh, <laughs> so I ended up just like, talking about the, our sort of process and the showing the tools that we use. Uh, and then in like in doing that sort of showing the kingdom of loathing tools and how they're very similar, but, but kind of evolved from that. And it was, so it's, it's a weird variety of things because a lot of it is just being made up on the spot. It's, It's very, very good. Uh, we also, uh, Grace Bruxner was there showing her game. Grace Bruxner presents the haunted island, a frog detective adventure, uh, which is very good. Yeah. 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 Right. i i'm a big fan of grace bruxner's whole deal um, <laughs> she was before her talk started she was using the drawing program that she uses to do her art but she was moving layers around to make a character do sick scooter tricks i
2: imagined it was her on the scooter I don't yeah know. It was, yeah, no, it yeah it was very much it like looked like her. It it was her. Was very yeah. much
3: her yeah um,
2: and even that had its own like little arc to it because she did a lot that was, you know, making the scooter go over a hill and stuff and then making the scooter go over a volcano and uh, escalating in that way. And then there's one where we all saw her draw like a road going off into the horizon and it wasn't totally clear what she was going to do with this into the scooter thing. Uh, and then she just had the scooter grow instead. Yeah, of, she made it very small and, and it, like, then scaled it up that so that way. it looked
1: like it was just running
2: towards <laughs> the camera. Yeah,
1: good. just yeah, very... Twist uh,
2: ending to the doodling.
1: I'm, I'm... I'm- very excited to see what that career (laughs) produces. (laughs) Um, the, I didn't really want to watch the gameplay of the Haunted Island though because I think it's not super long, and I I didn't want to have like yeah I didn't I didn't want to have already seen like a quarter of it when I when I go to play it yeah I think you may have uh, <laughs> well I was looking at my phone the entire time that they were playing and listening Jerry Bellick was also like doing a voices. terrible job of doing a lot of the voice <laughs> d- deliberately terrible not, I'm sure he could do a great frog detective voice if he really put his mind to it. Um. Uh, there was another. Oh, the cricket through the ages yes.
2: talk. This is this uh, is a game by Free Lives um, who did uh, Broforce and genital jousting and um, uh, just before them, I can't remember what I was, what the talk before was, but I was I'd just been musing to myself like what is the, the perfect game to show here and what is the perfect way to show it and then <laughs> lo and behold the, the perfect game for like being shown on a cinema screen to a bunch of people in a very like casual context where like comedy is is uh king really like most of the um the stuff that does best is uh stuff that's funny and this it reminded me of the concept of um i think i learned this from marvelous mrs mazel um the tight 10 in stand-up comedy that you spend like the first part of your career is just trying to get 10 minutes of good stuff and it takes months and months of work uh, to get just 10 minutes where every single thing is killer and uh, cricket through the ages um, <laughs> for three lives uh, there's a there are multiple modes to it but one of them is the story of you know, how cricket was invented uh, starting in paleolithic times when t-rexes were attacking cavemen and the cavemen couldn't do anything to defend themselves until they figured out how to hurl rocks and the format of the game is just there's a character on the left and there's a character on the right and uh, it's normally two player although there's a single player mode um and you just have one button and if you hold the button you spin well if you're the caveman in this context the caveman can spin their arm by holding the button and when they release it throws the rock in whatever direction their arm happens to be pointing right then which is almost impossible to predict um i don't know what the T-Rex, I guess the T-Rex just moves with the button. Um, and then through that format, it just goes through from from that uh, all the way to the modern era, all the way to space, all the way to the far future. And, it, like, if someone pitched this game to me, I would say there's there's not enough scope in just having two characters throw things at each other to make that really, like, work. But not only is each one incredibly funny, uh, it feels like it's funny in a different way. In the particular, like, uh, it never really gets to, like, traditional cricket it's like it will be like a (laughs) badminton racket and a shuttlecock and uh wait that's a totally sensible game of (laughs) badminton um uh like you know a cricket bat and a football um or a cricket bat and a sword um and uh uh, some of it is uh structured obviously to be like appropriate to the era but then there's a load of randomization as well in, in what they throw at each other and yeah it was just amazing to to I don't know if it was 10 minutes, but it, it was uh, a whirlwind tour of history in which uh, just the, the number of ways that are like an object hitting someone and then falling over and dying can be funny. <laughs>
1: there, was a, there was a moment in the end where I think it was like an astronaut on one side and a caveman on the other side or a knight. It was a knight on the other side with a sword and the astronaut like throws some sort of like a grenade that kills the knight. But then the knight falls over in a way that causes the sword to cut off the astronaut at its midsection, and then his legs just outgassed the spacesuit and (laughs) flew off the screen as it was fading out to Grant the Point. It I I was saying to the the people that we were watching this with, like, stuff like that makes me feel this certain kind of like career existential dread (laughs) because like the best joke I will ever write will not make anyone laugh as hard as that thing yeah. that just happened and i also you know i also feel that way about like seeing somebody get kicked in the nuts on jackass which is uh, sort of depressing but uh my but favorite that's scripted <laughs> that's true <laughs> so i'm to write
2: that joke um my one of my favorite moments uh, in it was just once it gets to the point that humanity is involved into crabs <laughs> and they're throwing rocks at each other um the, it was being played live by people who'd never played the game before, which is, makes it doubly impressive that it flowed so well and like the, it, the everything they ever did was hilariously funny. Uh, and also had an arc to it where like the first time they play a scenario, they'd both throw their objects in the opposite direction and not get anywhere. And then they get slightly, slightly better. But the crab one, the first time they both, you know, found themselves as crabs in a gladiatorial arena in the far future, um, they both threw their objects in random directions as they often did. And there's just like a beat. And they both just scuttle towards each other at incredible speed, just (laughs) fighting their claws.
1: In the competitive version, I guess they're always competitive, but every round ends with whoever lost playing the part of the queen knighting (laughs) whoever won. Which is also
2: done in the same game mechanic where she can like spin the sword as if she's pitching a cricket ball and it uh, can cut off any limb and... Uh, usually ends up shredding them. And obviously, in the future, it's a lightsaber that she knights them with. And, right. If you're playing the football minigame, the sword is attached to her foot, so she's yeah. a,
1: spin there's a leg no, to And you. there's no way to knight them without, like, knocking all of the pieces of the chandelier off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. It's. Yeah. Man. Uh, I, I want there to be, like, a single player campaign. Or, yeah. Because. I don't know. This is easy to say, but I feel like it would be fairly cheap in terms of effort to make that something that was pretty entertaining. You know, you just, a lot of different objects that you're trying to knock over or whatever. Yeah. They were but,
3: saying that the, that it just isn't as much fun. It isn't f- as funny when you're playing against an AI, like the,
1: yeah. you're alone in a room. You're not the laughter. is not. Yeah, no. And that's, yeah. I, I think that's true, but, but you know, it's, I don't know that I foresee a future in which I am going to be playing this multiplayer at a party, you know. And if there was a Switch version, and you could just pull out your Switch and like yep. you know play it yeah. on the same screen, that would be pretty great. Like because then you could you just do it every day on all the, all the time, train or the bus, or just whatever. with strangers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you want to play? Do you want to play this cricket game? No. <laughs> you I sure? bet you do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh.
1: Oh, uh, also, uh, the, I don't remember his name who made the game faith, um, that actually came out like last Halloween and I remember discovering it somehow and playing it and talking about it, but it's a sort of a Commodore 64 graphics looking horror game. That's very, very good. Um, uh, he did a talk that was pretty entertaining about, uh, about making that thing too. Um, he sort of reminded me like, The way that he talked and the stuff that he talked about, I was like, oh, this guy's just the horror Jay Tholen. (laughs) Like, just like, seems like the same kind of like gentle, nice guy, but instead of making the weird thing that Jay is making, he's making this like weird, like, exorcism game. Um, I was just looking at the schedule because there was some stuff that.
3: In addition to talks and sort of the the standard arcade segment, they also have, uh, arcade tournaments and they'll bring games in, uh, that might not have been seen anywhere there was a there was a game on the first day that i played called sticky cats <laughs> where you this is also by free lives oh is it yeah. okay that makes a lot of sense um i, I think the, the narrative is that you are are among a, a, a you are a cat among a gang of cats that breaks into places and tries to get a fish out of the fishbowl and get it back out the window and whoever is in possession of the fish at the end of the When you get to the window, it wins, but you don't really have a bunch of control over your, uh, limbs. And when you are near a surface, your claws stick out and you start, you stick into surfaces, including other cats, uh, and various objects in the scene. And so it's just this sort of hilarious sort of traversal of the space where your limbs are flailing and you're sticking to things randomly and, um, just trying to find the fish and the fish will get caught between two pieces of furniture. And then one of the cats, which is smaller has to like dive down and grab it and try to get out without getting clobbered by another cat. And it's, uh, and the cats
1: are all different sizes. So they have different amounts of inertia. Yep. Yeah. Um, they always, uh, commission a few arcade cabinet Mm -hmm. games for, uh, every fantastic arcade also. And so, um, Tyreek Plummer, who is, uh, has been working on catacomb kids for forever made, A game that's sort of like a weird tower defense game where you're building things on the outside of a planet, but all of the, all of the art, it was sort of like, um, desktop tower defense where all of the art is just like photographs of like thumbtacks that he had (laughs) and and stuff. And it's uh, coins. And, uh, I didn't play as much of it as, as you did, Kevin. It's, but it seems. Yeah, yeah, it's a video game. It's fun. It's uh, it's a tiny
3: little planet that you're on, and you're you have you can build towers. It's like a wadded up piece of paper. Yeah, that's a wadded up. It's paper planet pop or p- that sounds p- right. Planet paper pop or something. Uh, and you can build little towers that help you defend against the waves of attacking
1: uh, coins and space squids. Yeah, those aren't based on photographs, I don't think.
2: And the the arcade thing is has the controls is just like a dial and the yeah. button and the dial is a really nice like heavy feeling thing that you can kind of spin has inertia and the whole interface is done through that so like if you place a research center the way you then use it is to walk into it and then turn the dial and that becomes a rotary selection of the things you can research and the, um, it's all very like context sensitive and um, feels very nice to to play with and that actually I really liked the um, uh, were they like. Space jellyfish or something, the ones with like wavy limbs that were, mm-hmm. it was like, um, uh, they had some kind of core inside them and, uh, it was all very like physics-y and they would drift through space and as you shot them open, like you'd rip a hole in them and the, they would, um, yeah, kind of float open and the core would come out and that was cool. Yeah. Physics is good. That's <laughs> kind of a running theme in a lot of this. <laughs> Cause like the physics, Noitre is very physics-y, and that's kind of, like, used for emergence, really, Um, and it's, like, like dialing that to the max. And then Splunky, I feel like a lot of the my favorite moments in Splunky kind of come from physics, like that thing punching the bomb into my face. (laughs) That was a highlight, (laughs) and it was just because the physics made sense. Um, And I remember you, Zach, had a a moment where, like, you – I think you – did you fire a crossbow or something, like, off-screen – And the arrow just fucking came back from off-screen. And for a moment, it was like, what the hell? How did that happen? And then we realized it must have set off a dart trap that was at the exact
1: same level. Right, it fired an arrow back. And this dart came back, and it's way shittier than the dart that I (laughs) fired. (laughs) The crossbow is really cool, actually. That's um, that's
2: a new weapon in Spunky 2 where um, uh, it's only got one arrow, but when you fire it into a wall, it becomes a platform that you can stand on. Um, and then it falls out and you can also just pick it up again and reload it back into the crossbow and if you lose that arrow which you probably will um, you can take any
1: dart from a dart trap and fire that with it as well which makes it equivalent to throwing it with the baseball glove i guess yeah i guess i don't know Or maybe it does more damage when it comes out of the cross but it was enough to kill basically anything in the first couple of levels at least yeah. it's it's hard to imagine it's it's possible that it won't be as generous but it's hard to imagine hanging on to that sort of any weapon that's not the shotgun <laughs> in spelunky is hard to i imagine have a
2: real soft keeping. spot for like the slightly offbeat weapons like i always ended up you know i'll take the freeze ray if i can and i'll take um uh, in the original freeware Splunky on PC, uh, there was a bow that I yeah. really, really liked, and, and there was attach- a pistol also, which yeah. was just like. I can see why I got rid of that. It was a little bit. ridiculous. It was just like a shittier shotgun. Yeah, a shit gun, as <laughs> it were. Um, and yeah, I can't remember what else, but the, oh, stuff like the knife. I'll go for the knife if I can, and I love. I got the shield in Splunky One is my favorite weapon, probably just like shield. Yeah, if you go to the castle, which is another secret level, there's a knight there who's just psychotic and uh, bounces around and he has a shield that can crush you against any surface if you kill him you can take it and then you can crush anything against any surface and it's like even like gold. <laughs> if you're pushing with the shield you don't pick it up it just gets pushed until you hit a wall and then it gets annihilated by the crusher. Huh. and you can like any enemy I think will get completely crushed by this if you run into them like no one can stop you and um uh, you can just squish anything at the wall. It's not that good a thing to take because obviously you're just destroying everything. You don't get to pick anything up. <laughs> like, mm. uh, you would have to kind of put it down to go away, go over and actually obtain anything. But it's so much fun to use that I like those kind of like niche weapons where it does one thing really really well and um, it basically because it becomes like a little game mode that I'm playing that's different. I found it in Splunky One. I when it, I did hit my limit with it eventually, and it was when i didn't when i started a run not really know what to aim for like if i'd you know there was a time when i'd seen that knight but i never defeated it and go mm. trying to get back to the castle and getting that shield was was my goal in life and then when i got it it was good enough that there's probably like a bunch more runs where that was my goal just to do that again and now i've done that enough times i don't really need to do it again same with like the plasma gun same with like getting to hell obviously you know that's your long-term goal for uh, a lot of your time with after i did it i think i've been hell maybe twice and i have no desire to do it again it's like it's so much work to do it uh, that when i've never done it absolutely i'll work towards it and i'll i'll keep aiming for it uh, but once i have i don't really feel the need to do it so i'm hoping
1: that the branching in splunky 2 will just have more stuff to, to aim for like yeah that's I, I think i could understand people who felt? Because I I knew a bunch of people who felt like I don't. There doesn't need to be a spelunky too. Spelunky is sort of the perfect video game in a yeah. lot of ways, except that I think that what he has actually done with it is this is like more content force Belunky. It's the same game, which is still the perfect game. (laughs) This is just more stuff to do and more places to go in it, which I always want. Like that's what I always wanted more out of Minecraft. Like the con, like Minecraft is a great game. The content in Minecraft was weird and dumb and bad, (laughs) like, and just, just goofy choices and dissatisfying, like just, and I always wanted just like, that's what I wanted out of like Minecraft mods was like, what if you know just like put like goblins in there and you get a (laughs) necklace or something right like it's just just like yeah i never did like uh the is it like the ender
2: dragon yeah like it seemed like a very traditional kind of because they it people were kind of complaining there was no way to end the game they're kind of gold playing for so they just added like a the end
1: um and
2: i mean i appreciate that i was motivated to go for that
1: I appreciate that it was built up based on like player mythologizing and stuff, but then it was like, oh, well, we've just added this terrible alchemy system and this terrible enchanting system. So let's tie it into that. Hmm. It's like, you know, those experience points you've been earning, that's the currency for enchanting for some reason. (laughs) Like, uh, don't. Somebody should make somebody should make a game like Minecraft only (laughs) good. (laughs) If only anyone thought of that. Uh, Yeah, had some good meals. Yep. Had some good Should beers. You review those. <laughs> uh Colleen's Kitchen. There's been a boil order. It just was lifted. Uh an oh, hour. Right. An hour ago the phone rang here oh, and okay. either a prankster slash poisoner <laughs> or the utility department has called to let the uh owners of our Airbnb know that the boil order has been lifted. Did you ever did were, so when I was growing up there were boil orders all the time. I had never heard of it Never heard now. of it. You this is, this is my first. Huh. It's I don't know if I don't know. I guess that was before my grandpa worked at the water department. <laughs> so it wasn't his fault that maybe they hired him to, to whip it into shape. Um, but it was just like, I think a pretty common thing where it's like, ah, crap, something went wrong with the water treatment. And it sounded like the, like the water has probably been safe for the last two, three days or
2: whatever, but they doing the testing, they have to not only test it thoroughly, but test every water from every part of the whole system to make sure that all of it is yeah. safe. And they've just figured that
3: out. I, so... They say you don't have to flush the pipes. But if you've been getting water this whole time, some water in the pipe near your house has got to be unsafe, right? Like, Unless none of it was ever unsafe, and they've determined that.
2: <sighs> yeah, I can imagine a situation where like, there's a risk of contamination, so they have to assume it's contaminated and until they finish the test. Until they, they can test verify it's, say, not. it's not. Yeah.
1: Uh, speaking of which, I, I was worried because I had just fucked up and drank out of a drinking fountain when we were doing a room escape. (laughs) Um a couple days ago. I'm still okay, I think, unless this is heaven. <laughs> yeah, I do like you guys. You have been
3: playing a lot of spelunky. I've been two. playing a lot of spelunky two, yeah. Um
1: I oh got it all makes sense. Yeah, and it's weird. The computer next to it has spelunky three and whatever <laughs> that has spelunky four. It's like wha- wow. Is that your dream? You just play spelunky two to
2: you need some more then go yeah, on to spelunky three. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. They
3: bring you beer and burgers while you while you yeah. play.
2: Well, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. The draft house is a little bit <laughs> <laughs> heaven like we did um we did do a room escape here Mm. which kevin did not like one (laughs) it was a little sloppy
3: it was arguably supposed to be a seance and that was just not an interesting part of it at all like it didn't need to have that it was just bad the the very first clue you see turns out isn't actually a useful clue for you at all because it doesn't it isn't a thing that's within your power to make any choice or secret
1: rooms and stuff, which is cool. That's always a cool thing. Sure. Uh, Almost all of the, almost all of the electromechanical things malfunctioned and had to be (laughs) like thumped on by an attendant. So that was okay.
3: (laughs) The person, there was an attendant there. And the first thing she does is spoil the existence of additional spaces.
1: That, yeah, that does kind of suck.
3: And then continued throughout the whole rest of the thing to be giving unwanted hints and nudges without us
1: prompting. And the thing that we spent by far the most time on was trying to open a shitty, cheap combination lock that That we we knew the the combination combination to. But just everyone, had. we finally had the woman who worked there open it for us. And it still took her
3: a minute and a half or something. Yeah. Anyway. So there's some variable quality
1: rooms. So and I tried to go there. to the house of torment that I'd been hearing so much about, but they wouldn't let me in with my pocket knife. Cause I guess they were afraid I was going to torment <laughs> Take apart one of the guys chainsaws and put the blade back on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So that's Austin. Fantastic arcade. I love this event so much every year. I think, is this the year that I get over it? But Nope, it's not yet. <laughs> is this the year that it jumps the shark? Yeah. It's just, it's weird. It, like, like, I don't know what it is that makes it so that it, like, I think the fact that the venue itself is just sort of made of infrastructure, you know, like the, the people organizing this, as long as they're allowed to do it in the Alamo Draft House, they've got all of the space taken care of, they've got all of the AV taken care of, all of the catering. food and booze yeah. is taken care of, there's plentiful bathrooms, there's lots of space for the games to be exhibited
3: it's a nice size it's like limited to 200 ish people yeah. i think which is small but it's not really a public facing event it's not like you're inviting the public to come to it per se it's mostly for game developers to talk to other game developers it's actually um it's nicer now i think
2: than it was like three years ago when it's part of fantastic fest which is a big film festival and i remember back then it being i think they had like two theaters for it and it was still crowded to the point where if you if you're late to a thing you weren't going to get a seat yeah um and now it's much smaller it feels like which is actually nicer
3: oh right because anyone who had a fantastic fest ticket could play the games and things yeah i don't well. know how it
2: worked but it was definitely just way more people showing up and
1: yeah well anyway do we have anything else to say about our experiences a fantastic arcade or can we Can we pull the plug on this episode? Go go get some more beer. Yeah, go get some more beer. Go play some more Spelunky (laughs) 2. Probably done playing Spelunky (gasps) 2. I went out, I went out on a good note. I got all the way to the end of the jungle and was killed (laughs) standing on the door. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what happens when you go through it, but it's, you know what? It's a mystery. And I uh, like, if it had just been like the end of the demo, I would be like, okay, but now I don't know. Now it could be anything. Maybe I could have gotten to the, Double temple. <laughs> it's just temples all the way down. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I've had a fantastic time recording this episode of uh, Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again next year. This seems to be our deal now. Yeah, we probably will.
3: Hooray.
1: Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Good, night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>
3: okay, we can
0: ha! <laughs> thank you, my friend Zach, Kyvan and Tom, who had a wonderful time recording this episode. I wasn't there and have experienced this vicariously in the way that everyone experiences a podcast, like seeing your friends through a plane of glass. Anyway, it's time for the outro. Uh, thank you uh, for listening to the podcast. If you would like to find us on the Internet, you can find us at CreightonCrowbar.com. You can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com forward slash crowbar. We are on Twitter at crowbar, And we also have a patreon which is to be found at patreon.com forward slash create and crowbar however patreon backers should note that they will not be charged for this episode because of the nature of its production and the fact that you've you've only received a one hour of hot takes rather than the uh unspoken mandate of anywhere between one and a half and five anyway thanks for listening catch you next week